This is the Ezra Podcast. And we're back with the boxing episode of the podcast. We didn't do one last week. And you know what? It was a little bit disappointing that I didn't do it. I got to be honest with you. Because I did see something that I thought like, oh, there's something here to definitely talk about. Right? There's definitely something. There's something we can... uh, Maybe it's a little more interesting than what people are giving off because it's supposed to be a down week. And I was saying that it was a down week for boxing last week. And then what happens? Bradis loses to Opate and a massive upset. Probably the big, I think it's the biggest upset of the year so far. And the, what was supposed to be the slowest week for boxing produces a humongous story, right? So that's how boxing's been this year. That's how it's been this, uh, this year. We've had. We really haven't had any really slow weeks. And the week we thought was going to be slow produces a great story, right? Where Opatea now might possibly be the best cruiserweight in the world because he beat the guy that I think everybody pretty much had his number one cruiserweight in the world. He beats him. Close fight. I thought very competitive fight. Um, I'll break it down a little bit more going for, uh, in a few minutes, but I also want to talk about um, Joe Joyce victory over Hammer, and what I say about Hammer is that Hammer is uh, has he has the ability to survive. I don't think he's gonna ever go for. I never thought he was gonna go for a win in that fight. But he has the ability to survive. He has the ability to make fights ugly and then make them boring, but to get the rounds in. Joe Joyce wasn't having that. Joe Joyce was just pounding away, going inside, getting killing him to the body, uh, just forward pressure, taking shots when he had to. You know that I told you Joe Joyce's best ability is his chin. It's his number one quality is his chin. And he has a hard jab and all his shots hurt. And he gets hammered out of there. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. That's exactly how he was supposed to look. And the talks of him versus Fury, but I you know, I don't really buy into that. We'll see how it goes going forward. But Joe Joyce, uh, as I always thought, you know, was is a legit threat to everyone in the heavyweight division. He 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 only furthered that proof. But let's get to the Bradis Opatay fight. Um you know, Bridges, I'm going to be honest, he didn't have it that night. And the, the, the comparison that I have for this fight is Tarver Jones, number one. I'm not saying that that's exactly like the styles of those fodder or anything like that. But the reason why I compare it to that fight is because John Jones, I mean, John Jones, Roy Jones showed, he showed cracks, right? He showed that it, it slowly, it was falling, starting to fall apart for him. It was that he was no longer uh, in his prime anymore and it was uh, he kind of had to gut that performance out and he kind of had to do things that he never really had to do before like going after Tarver forcing a fight at times and stuff like that and at some point where Tarver was kind of like outboxing him at points in the first fight and in this fight Bradis kind of he was going to win this fight on skill he was going to win this fight on his ability he kind of had to just gut this performance out and he had to use his willpower he had to outwork uh, Obatai you know and he had to work him in the fight, and he had to, you know, force a fight. And then the first half, like, he gets outboxed. It's clear as day he gets outboxed. And then what he starts doing, and he just stops waiting. He just puts it in his head that I'm not, I can't wait for this guy. I got to make a force something happen. I can't try to play this game with him. I just got to force what, whatever I have today. I got to force that in this fight. And that's what he does, and he's pretty effective in the second half of it. But it's you just doesn't seem like he has the timing, speed, all those things, rhythm that he, you know, had in previous fights to show him at such a top level. I don't think he really had that. I think this is really the signs that, he, you know, that's probably going to slip away. In boxing, you could get old overnight. And that, that looked kind of, that's kind of what I was seeing from that. 
Not taking away from Okatai's win. That's still a huge win. But I'm just saying that's what I was seeing. And if they rematch, I don't think it looks any different. I think he's still going to have to gut it out. He's still going to have to show willpower. And let's see if Okatai could have a better cardio in the second half of the fight. Because his cardio really fell off. Right, he, he boxed very well in the beginning, but to keep up that performance that he was doing, it, it really fell off in the second half of the fight. So I think there's a rematch going to happen. It, it only makes the most sense to do that uh, in that fight uh, for both guys, honestly. But I'm just, I don't, I wouldn't count on Bradis looking like Bradis of old. I think I kind of looking like old Bradis, if that makes sense. And, um, I imagine he's going to get outboxed and just see if he can force the issue. And if he, in his mind, he understands that he's got to force the issue in the fight earlier on. But massive upset. Biggest upset of the year so far. Like I said. Um, and, you know, just uh, shook up the whole Cruiserweight division. Just like that. Shook up the whole Cruiserweight division. I was going to do a podcast on it. I, I saw something. I was like, oh, Obatai is a little better than what I was thinking. Right? He's a little better. But I, I watched him again. I started breaking him down. And I was like, he doesn't have enough to beat Bradis. Right? The, the Bradis that I was breaking down and all the fights where he looked so good. I was like, he's just not going to have enough. That, that wasn't the Bradis that, you know, that wasn't a youthful Bradis. That wasn't a sharp Bradis. Um, and that's all Obatai needed to surpass him. That's what, like the skill I saw in the, the boxing I saw, like the ability that he has. I, that's all he needed was just a little bit of slippage. And that's what happened. And let's just see, you know, if he can withstand the willpower. Last, you know, if you look at John uh, Roy Jones, I keep saying John Jones, Roy Jones versus Tarver in the second fight, that's where Tarver puts him to sleep, right? Like where it really fell off, the really fell off the tracks, right? Really got derailed. Maybe that's what it looks like for Bradis. Or maybe he's... Uh, more accepting of what his body can physically do, and he's he goes in there with that knowledge and is able to force the fight that he needs to win the fight. That that's an interesting thing going to story, the storyline for the rematch. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. Now let's get into this weekend's fight, and we have a very good card. The card kind of going under the radar. We have Mark Maxio versus Ray Vargas, and this is for uh this is for a bout at featherweight. And uh, let me pull up the poster here real quick. Bam. And, uh, yeah, we have Maxile versus Vargas. Uh, Maxile coming off a uh, humongous win in his career. Uh, him beating uh, Gary Russell. In a fight where Gary Russell, you know, injures his arm and he kind of fights one-handed. And I thought it was a very close fight. I, I Honestly, I thought Gary Russell did enough to get a draw. I was okay with Maxile winning because he, he started working more towards the end of the fight. In the middle, it kind of gets gun-shy when it's clear Gary Russell only has one arm. He can only punch one hand. He keeps moving towards the hand where Gary Russell can punch. It's 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 a very confusing performance. I know he's his biggest win, but there's a lot. To me, it had like a lot more questions than it did answers at the end of it about Maxile. Now Ray Vargas, who's you know been effective uh, in the lower weight, the one weight lower than the weight he's at in this fight. Um, but he's moving up. He's never lost. He's can move around. He can punch at range. He's you know, he's not, he's an unorthodox fighter. He, uh, I don't like to throw that around so much. Like, you know, it's, everybody applies their own style and stuff. But he is an unorthodox fighter. He moves around. He, a lot of times he put, punches the body from like a distance. That's something you see a lot. You know, combination punch to the body from distance. He's going to rely on his legs. Like, that's his defense is his legs. He doesn't, you know, doesn't look to get, he doesn't get touched much. That's kind of his game. He's like hit, move, and he's constant movement, uh, constant action. And, you know, he frustrates guys with that, with the way he fights. With Maxile, you know, he has the power. He has the explosion. He kind of has to reset, though. Like, his legs aren't 
consistent. You see a lot of things where he has like a lot of twitches too. He has a lot of twitches. He has a lot of resets. He has to hit his gloves together. Has to get a little bounce in, and then he could get going. He has to recharge. And uh, you know, guy like against a guy like Vargas, that's kind of a really a dilemma because Vargas is constantly on the move, so it's constantly like you're playing catch up, and then you constantly have to you know recharge, get into position, and Vargas doesn't stay in position often. Now, the opening for Maxile is he has a big left hook, humongous left hook, and he can double it or triple it. He's very good once he gets it going and explosive with it. Vargas, like I said, punches the body from a distance. It's a habit he does. I think it's just part of his game. I would think if you're training him for this fight, that you would say, hey, we're probably not going to use that in this fight because that's going to give Maxile a big opportunity for his left hook. But I don't know if Vargas... Uh, can get away from the things that he does. He's the kind of guy that I think he has a style, and that's a style that's going to bring to the table. If he goes to the body with those shots at a range like that, it's going to give Maxwell a, a, a chance to a left hook, and he could really put Vargas to sleep. I mean, he has that kind of explosion, that kind of power, and Vargas is new to this weight class. He had only one fight at this weight class, 126 pounds. I think Vargas has every advantage in the book in this fight. I think he's got the footwork. I think he's got the, the rhythm. He's going to have the reach. He's going to, uh, you know, he might not have, like, if they're measuring just one punch at a time, right? Maxell, I think, would beat him with speed. But continuous flow of punches and the way Vargas is able to be more balanced and use his legs, I think that his speed and combinations is better than Maxell. I think Maxell has, like, one, two shots. And if it's from the same hand, like, if he's throwing double left hands, right, left hooks, it's pretty good speed. He's able to get it off pretty quick. But when he starts having to use both hands for his combinations, it definitely slows down or definitely just comes to a stop. I'll give Vargas that advantage on that. I think if Vargas, if you told me this is going to go to decision, Vargas' chin's going to hold up, I, I'm going to pick Vargas to outwork Max Isle and just frustrate him, not really let him ever get going in his offense. Now, if we're going to say this fight's going to get a stop due to stop, uh, you know, it's going to be a stoppage, I'll pick Maxile by a knockout, left hook. And I think that's for Vargas punching too far away to the body. And it's not like Vargas, uh, his guard is, like, amazing. You know what I mean? It's a lot of, like, just natural reflexes is what he's counting on. This is really, to me, a pick-em fight. I, I, I don't feel 100% confident going either way with the uh of picking a winner here. A lot of times I feel pretty confident, like, oh, it's going to look like this. I, it's going to be a tough fight. I think Vargas is going to outwork him. I think he's going to move around a lot. I think Maxile's going to, you'll see Maxile get frustrated. You'll see Maxile have dips in action, right? He's not going to be the most active fighter. But I think that he's always going to have that left hook there. He's always going to be able to change the fight with one punch. And Vargas is going to give him a lot of those openings. So I think it's going to be Vargas walking a tightrope the whole fight. I'm going to take Vargas by decision. Like I said, I don't feel 100% confident for it because I just see the opening there when he goes to the body at too far range. The Maxwell could just knock his head off his shoulders, right? Put his head in the third row. That's where, that's the key part to watching this fight. Let's see if they could get Maxwell to get a little more active too. Not take those lows. Not uh, be so patient because he's a very patient guy. He's very calm in the ring. He has no, he's, these are two guys that are going to be extremely calm in the ring. But at points, he's got to pick it up, and he can't reset and then wait for his opportunity. He's got to get it going and pick it up soon. I think that um, using, you know, maybe some body shots in this fight, you look to slow down Vargas to add something so Vargas kind of, you could kind of get him in more 
a reachable range, right? The, his feet aren't getting him completely out of range, right? You got to slow him down. Put some, uh, like Teddy Atlas says, some water in the basement. Like I said, I'm going to go for his decision in this fight. But I think there's going to be some scary moments for him. And there's going to be maybe some close calls. Or maybe he gets caught and he's going to have to survive at points. I think it's a very good fight. Very interesting in this fight. On the undercard, co-main event, Brandon Figueroa versus Carlos Castro. And I think this is an excellent fight. This fight could steal the night. And I think that going into it, I think people are assuming that Brandon Figueroa is going to go in there and win this fight. This is like his welcome to 126. And the winner of this fight is in basically in a position to face the winner of the Mark Maxell-Ray Vargas fight. So that's another interesting thing to pay attention to the storyline. But Brandon Figueroa, who just fought Stephen Fulton, uh, beat uh, Neary in 122. It was a... You know, in a close fight with Stephen Fulton, who I think is, you know, you know how I feel about Stephen Fulton. I think he's one of the best fighters in the world. So if this guy would have had a close fight with him, obviously he's a very good fighter. Now, the advantages that Figueroa had that maybe made his fight with Stephen Fulton so, uh, such a close fight, such a competitive fight, is that he was a giant at 122 pounds. Now we call him weight bullies, call him whatever you want. He was a big guy at 122. And similar to his brother, Omar Figueroa, when he was in the lower weight classes, he could make the weight. His power was dominant. His size was dominant. The, his uh, style was dominant in those weight classes because he didn't. He could get a lot of power from shots that he didn't have to put a lot of energy to. And he had a high work rate. And he could take big shots. So his style was effective. That's what Bradford Figueroa had at 122. Now we're going to see if he's going to fall into what his brother did. As he moved up, he wasn't as effective. He wasn't taking the shots anymore. And his power wasn't there anymore. We're going to see what Bradford Figueroa's power is against Carlos Castro. Carlos Castro is a damn good fighter. He is. He's a damn good fighter. Now, did he come off lost in Neary? Yes. Did he have good moments in that fight? I, I did. I did think he had some good moments in that fight. I'm, I had Neary winning, but it was he had some good moments in that fight. He's had some very good performances. He's also more comfortable in the weight at 126. He's familiar with it. He has experience with it. He's also not, um, I don't think, undersized, right? I think Brandon Figueroa is going to face a guy that's his size. He's not going to be able to outmuscle him. He's not going to, his physical, uh, you know, his, his physicalness is not, I don't think it's going to break Carlos Castro. Now, what I think he could do is outwork Carlos Castro. I think that Carlos Castro sometimes waits too often. I don't think that he works enough in the mid-range. And he allows the guys to get in on him. But when he is working long range, he's pretty damn good. He does have the ability to find the inside as well. I don't think he's going to be able to keep people Brand Figueroa as far as if they're both working on the inside. Brand Figueroa is going to outwork him. He's going to outland him. But Carl, can Carlos Castro keep him on the outside? Can he use his feet, his balance, to keep Branford on the outside? I think Branford could run into a lot of struggles in this fight. And I think this is going to be a drag-out fight. I think it's going to be very close. I'll take Branford Roll just because Carlos Castro has made 122 before. He's not the biggest 126 guy. He also sometimes allows guys to get in the range where they allows guys to get in the range and uh, get broken down. Okay, we had some uh, technical difficulties. That's what I'm going to call it, right? That's why uh, the video portion of this will have to be in two parts. I was going to just stop the video part. I was just going to delete it. I, was, I get really frustrated really easily when things don't go the way I planned them. But it's all right. I'm just going to work through this one. Technical difficulties. We ended with Brandon Figueroa versus Carlos Castro. I'm going to pick Brandon Figueroa in that fight in a decision. But I think that's a tough fight. I think that's a very close fight. It might be a highly debatable fight. I just think that Carlos Castro isn't consistent enough. He allows guys to get work off that they sh really, I feel like he shouldn't uh, he shouldn't have to be in those positions, but he kind of constantly puts himself in those positions. So I'm taking Brandon Figueroa. On the uh, opener opening bout, you have Frank Martin versus Jackson Marinez. Uh, actually, interesting fight, because especially because Marinez is a late replacement. Uh, Frank Martin 
who is, you know, the guy that's like looking to move past pro, uh, prospect and get to world champion level uh, fighter, uh, top of the guy, you know, face the top guys at 135. He looks like he, he has the stuff. A fight like this could be uh, not the performance that he wants, though, because Marinas is very tough. He's a, he's a technical, but he, he can box. I don't know if he's a technical boxer, but he can box. He has some slickness to him. He has some speed to him. Now, last time we seen Marinas, he got smoked by Comey. But before that, we seen him, uh, to me, in my opinion, beat uh, Rolly Romero and then get robbed. I think that this is the kind of fight that really will show me who Frank Martin is. If Frank Martin goes and really puts a dominant performance against Jackson Marinas, I think that really showed me that he is a cut above. Like, you know, the, the, the all the prospects or guys that are coming up, he's ready for that top level. But if he goes and just kind of wins the fight but has a hard time, kind of gets stalled out at points or, you know, just kind of more competitive than I thought, then, you know, the, I, I'll start maybe I think this is kind of one of the ones where I could start having doubts about him. Uh, you know, he, he looks like he, he's very good, but he, he could be a little bit basic, right? Because, you know, he did get to boxing uh Later in his, uh, he, he didn't do that from a very young age. He kind of got to boxing late. And a lot of times like that is there's like certain things, certain, uh, you know, things to his craft that you, you can't just get unless you kind of like grew up doing it, right? You grew up and your body could do those motions. I think sometimes from what I see from the game, it's kind of the basics. He's kind of very good at the basics and he's has good talent, right? Natural ability, but it's just kind of the basics. And I want to know if there's, different elements that he can add to his game were showing this fight that shows that he's not just, uh, you know, his physical ability and the basics that he uses are, are not where he's just been able to beat the lower level competition, but against a guy like Marinez who kind of will, you know, it's kind of can make you, uh, can pull some stuff out of you, right? Like can might, might, you might need to get a little more creative, with your uh, a performance against Marinas, right? You're going to fight against Marinas to be effective. Now, that's this card. You also have uh, Speedy Alice, right? Uh, who's going to be fighting on the YouTube portion of the PBC card. He's also fighting a late replacement. I think people are just going to be excited to see him because he hasn't been able to fight because he was on Golden Boy. And for some reason, they put him on ice. They weren't trying to put him on uh, cards or put him on a show or put him on anything, really. So they put him on ice. He got out of that contract. Now he's with the PBC. And he looks like he's finally going to get the opportunities that he wants. And especially with the PBC, he has a 147. It's, it's completely stacked. He's just another name to add to already stacked division. So it's it's the 147 is very healthy for the PBC. And they're just only, the, you know, the rich are getting richer with adding Alice to it. Now, I did want to talk about one other fight happening this weekend. And this, I know we're doing a two-parter here on this, uh, on the video portion of the podcast. But it's going to be a little bit shorter. But let's talk about Derek Chisora versus Kobrat Pulev. And I, I kind of think this is an easy one to, to take apart. Because I think Chisora is definitely on the downside of his career. I think he's very entertaining. I think that I have no problem ever watching Chisora fight. But... When I seen the last fight he had with Joseph Parker, he just looked like he just cannot keep a consistent performance throughout a fight. His energy is just going to dip, and he has to... There's points where like he's literally just out against the ropes. That's really what it feels like. It really feels like he's out against the ropes. I think Pulev is still has a lot left. I think Pulev is still uh, able to be competitive with a, a lot of good heavyweights. I really do. Now, do I don't think he's a world championship level. Do I think he's a threat to be the top guy? No, I don't think that. I think he'll always lose to guys like Fury, Usyk, and uh, Joshua and Wilder. I don't think he'll ever beat any of the guys. But like that middle of the pack, he's going to get them all a tough fight. 
and a Chizora who I don't think can fight consistently. I think Pulev could actually get a stoppage here. And I don't think Pulev is a, is a big stoppage guy. He's not. He's not a big knockout guy. And Chizora's not a guy to get st- stopped easily. I mean, Chizora's last three guys are Joseph Parker twice and Chiz- and uh, Usyk. And he wasn't stopped any of those fights. He won decision in all of them. So Pulev getting a stoppage here, I think, is because Chizora's just going to be out of it. And I just think that he's not going to be able to keep his hands up. I think he's going to be tired in the second half of this fight. And Pulev's just going to be able to work. And he's going to get the stoppage. And he's going to have a, a good pretty good performance i think and i i expect another uh decent heavyweight matchup for him going forward from that i think that people wanted to kind of throw him aside after the joshua fight but it's like hey that's joshua joshua's an amazing heavyweight i think the middle of the pack like i said pool has a problem for everyone i would honestly i think i would favor to pick him over joseph parker i really would i i i i have no problem saying that so it's it's a good weekend for boxing it really is. That the Maxeo versus Ray Vargas, that's a hell of a card. Chazor versus Pulev is is a fun main event. You're also gonna have the Dream versus Soro rematch, which I don't you know, controversial ending, I guess, but the Dream should win that. I'm not high on him. I I, I don't see him as a, a legit threat at one fifty four. I think a lot of people try to do that. I know he has a lot of physical abilities, but it's just it's too much of there's no in between in his game. It's like explosive shots, uh wild looping shots you need to have some some craft to it like you just do you have to have something unless you're like that much physically more physically gifted than everyone else but i don't think he is especially at 154 i don't think he's more physically gifted or at least that much more physically gifted than everybody else i think some of the guys are more physically gifted than him so that's it's a fight to watch the dream's always kind of entertaining the way he fights but i'm not high my stop i'm not buying a lot of stock on him I apologize for everyone who's watched the video version of this. That you had to do it in two parts. Sometimes you got to make we got to make do with what we have. That, that's that's just the, that's just the case of it. But I appreciate you guys for listening. I did want to do one last. Uh, did want to say one last thing. I just reached seventy subscribers on YouTube. Now I know that's not a lot. I know that's not a lot. I'm, I'm self aware. I know I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking like, oh, this is a massive number, but. It's a massive number to me. I'll put it that way. It's a big number to me. It's a goal of working towards something to getting subscribers, getting more eyeballs on this. And I said, I got to set another goal. Now, we got to 70. That was the goal, right? I got to 60. I was like, we got to get 70, right? And we got there. Now, I got to get to 5,000. Okay? I know 70 to, to 5,000, that's a huge leap, right? When, when you set the goal of 70, how the hell do you go all the way to 5,000? That's just the way my mind works. I mean, I could I could go to 80, but we get to 10. And it's just going to be No, I'm not a celebration type guy. Let's get to 5,000. That's the next time I'll, I'll, I'll do one of these. We've got to 70. I appreciate you guys for listening. Please like, subscribe if this is your first time watching. Uh, leave. A, I, li- I like when you guys leave comments. I'll respond. I'll respond to the... Uh, if you leave a question, I'll respond to the next uh, podcast. But thank you guys for listening. It's been the Ezra Podcast. Peace. <laughs>